Welcome to the Catch the Fire Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us, and we hope you're encouraged by this message. Thank you so much. Thank you, Abby, for that amazing testimony about your groups, and you've inspired me. I think I'm going to start a group in Chick-fil-A, too. I'm going to call it God's Golden Nuggets. I'm going restri- to restrict one group to eight count and the next group to 12 count. Does this go up at all? The foot pedal. Oh, there we go. The foot pedal. There you go. Fantastic. Mm. Ah, well, um, what an amazing, amazing morning. Wow. All those baby dedications. Goodness gracious. You guys are taking procreation seriously. I love it. Yeah, there's obviously a lot of fun going on in this church. I love it. Among couples that are husband and wife, of course, you know. Oh, praise God. I love baby dedications. That was absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. Well done, Aaron and Jess. Uh, well, um, well, there's an amazing men's group going on right now in Hendersonville. Um, there's a whole bunch of people, 60 men from Catch the Fire, um, not just this church, but some of our other churches uh, in the region, and they're all having an amazing time in Hendersonville, and Shannon, Rochelle's husband's leading it with others, and they're having an amazing time, and actually, Rochelle told me this morning that uh, Shannon has reported back to say that um, ladies whose husbands are away, you'll be pleased to they're having an awesome, awesome time and getting transformed, so they're going to love you better when they come back, isn't that amazing? Amazing. And if you're sitting next to your husband and he hasn't gone, just give him a, you know, a, a nudge in the ribs and say, hey, next time you're going, because I want you as an improved version too. So, yeah, awesome, awesome. But then you can get your own back and say, well, honey, I want you to go to Bloom as well, okay? So uh, just make sure that you go to Bloom too. All right, awesome. Well, I'm really pleased to uh, be able to continue the sermon series on the Beatitudes, which I personally have really loved. I hope you all have loved it as well. It's just been amazing going through the Beatitudes. And, and, I've, and I was thinking about it, the Beatitudes, the attitudes of our being, how we are in our being. And I know Aaron preached a while back about our being. And, uh, and I just... I'm so thrilled that Jesus came into this world and he revealed to us his being. And all of these beatitudes are actually Jesus, the the revelation of Jesus as he speaks on these beatitudes. He's not giving everybody a means for how they improve their lives. He's saying, life's arrived and I'm him and this is who I am. All these nine Beatitudes, I perfectly fulfill them. And I'm here so that you can enter into them and perfectly fulfill them in your life too, in my grace. And so that leads me right into what I'm going to be preaching on this morning. Matthew 5 verse 7, blessed are the merciful. Woo! Wow! Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall 
obtain mercy. I love this verse so much. And as I was meditating and waiting on the Lord and asking him uh, what he wanted, how he wanted me to speak and how he wanted me to share, he downloaded into my heart, reminded me of one of the most powerful messages that my ears and eyes have ever read and ever heard uh, from my pastor, John Arnott, from Kate and I and all of us, our pastor, who's the founder of Catch the Fire, uh, he and his wife, Carol, they preach a message all over the world. And this morning, I'm going to preach that message, but I want to give credit to John and Carol for this message. And I, I first uh, came in touch with the revelation that I'm about to preach in 1997 on our family farm as I read a really powerful little booklet that John and Carol wrote. And I was working um, on our family farm in the grain barn, in the dryer, and my job was to basically test the moisture levels of the grain coming in. And so I had a lot of time on my hands in between each tractor load coming in, and I read this book that they gave me. And it is centered on, blessed are the merciful, uh, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And I wept and wept and wept and wept for three days. My little book that's not very thick is just covered in muddy tear stains as the Lord gave me the revelation of the areas in my heart where I was not walking in mercy. I want you to notice that verse. Could you put it back up, please? I want you to notice that it says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. It doesn't say, blessed are those who obtain mercy, for they shall be merciful. We like it that way round. Oh God, give me mercy and then I'll be merciful. But God says, no, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. We, we want to receive mercy for ourselves, but we want justice for everybody else. And the Lord says, nope, doesn't work that way round. If you want mercy, you must first be merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Here's the thing, I was, as I was getting ready and I was meditating yesterday on to this moment and I was thinking about this scripture, I felt the Lord remind me that grace arrived when Jesus Christ was conceived in a virgin mother's womb by the Holy Spirit. Grace himself, the grace of God himself, the eternal son of God came in the flesh and came to give us the grace of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the grace of God that came, came to set us free from the condemnation that the law had brought us under. The law of God is perfect and it's good, it's beautiful. The problem with the perfect law of God is that you and I, right from when we were in Adam, we have broken God's law. And so what was intended for good for us, this beautiful law, sadly, on account of our law-breaking constantly over and over again, even going right back to when we were in Adam, but also in our own actual lives, constantly law-breaking has brought us under condemnation from, from that which was meant to be good for us. 
And so God who's perfect, who loves us, and whose law is perfect, and whose law is the law of love, sadly, because of our own inability to obey the law of God, we have come under condemnation. And now, as a people, we need something that's even better than the law. Mercy. Mercy. And God, in his love for us, sent his son Jesus who came and gave us grace and brought us into mercy. Grace and mercy are two different things. Grace is, well, let me start with mercy. Mercy is that you don't get what you deserve. Grace is that you get everything that you don't deserve. And so it's the grace of God that has meant that God has given you first mercy. So the grace of God in Christ Jesus is that the grace of God arrived to you and gave you the opportunity through grace for you to receive mercy. But for you to receive mercy, you must be merciful. Okay, now... Here's how it all works. The enemy, Satan, all of the dominion of darkness, all the demons, principalities, powers, rulers, and authorities of the dark world, all operate under the realm of the law because all of them were the first lawbreakers. Satan himself was the greatest lawbreaker, and so the law of God has condemned Satan to an eternity in hell. And for this time, while he's waiting for that eternity in hell, he stands condemned, but his name has gone from Lucifer to Satan, and the name Satan means the accuser of the brethren. And the law of God is what gives Satan the opportunity to accuse every single one of us in this room. Because there's something that we all have in common, everybody. Every one of us are lawbreakers. You say, what? I'm not a lawbreaker. Here's the deal. One little lie, just one, has made you a lawbreaker. And the enemy operates at the realm of the law, and the law affords the enemy the right to accuse you before God. So let's, let's delve into this. The law is fair and just. It's based on justice. You get what you deserve. Exodus 21, 23 to 25. In fact, let's just... Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I ask you that you would help me to preach, not just out of my own spirit, but through you, Holy Spirit, that you would preach straight through me. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give every one of us, myself included, Lord, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear this morning? Would you search our hearts, our minds, our body, soul, and spirit? And would you show us every way in us that you want to set us free, that you want to bring total freedom to us? Lord, would you show us how your grace and how your mercy, Lord, you desire it to operate and for us to operate in that realm. In Jesus' name, I break the power of every single work that stands against you, God. The Lord Jesus Christ rebukes you, Satan, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Exodus 21, 23. But if there's any further injury, then you shall appoint as penalty 
life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. Hmm. It's like tit for tat. We say that in America. I say we because I'm an American citizen, but I don't have a clue what that means. And so let's uh, let's I need somebody uh, to help me. Uh, Okay, Raphael, come up here quick. Ralphie, come here. All right. So I'm gonna, you're going to be separated from Carrie now for the rest of this session, okay? And when I need you to sit down, go sit there next to Aaron. Not yet. Not yet. So how does it work? I want you to imagine Raphael and I, we're colleagues at work. And, and uh, you know, one day I say something and it upsets Ralphie and he gets really mad with me. And, and so he says something mean back. And so then I say something mean back. And now we're escalating, right? So now he says something back. Now I'm mad with him. Mad enough, I punch him straight in the mouth and I knock his tooth out. Well, actually, let's just reverse it. He gets mad enough with me, knocks my tooth out. Go for it, Rafi. No, come on, do it properly. Oh, and it just knocks my tooth out. Oh, my gosh. In fact, he knocked all of my teeth out. And I managed to catch a few of them, and the rest of them rattled on the floor. And now I'm like, right. Now, what does the law say that I can do? Right. So... Boom, I knock his teeth out. And one punch knocks all of them straight out of his mouth. He didn't even manage to catch a single one of them. It was such a punch. Is it fair? No. Yes, it's totally fair. It's based on fairness. It is just. I knocked his tooth out. Fairness says he gets to knock mine out. Or rather the other way around. Are we happy? No, we're not at all happy. Is it settled? Is the issue going to go away? No. What am I now? I'm madder than a hornet. I'm, I'm, a, I'm toothless and madder than a hornet. Exactly. So what do I do? I step up. I punch his eye out. So now he comes along and he, what does he do? What does the law say he can do? He can punch my eye out. Bam! Knocks my glasses flying, punches out my eye. Now, are we happy? Is it fair? Yes. So what am I going to do now? Because it's escalating, right? Boom! I punch his other eye. Now, he's toothless and blind and madder than a wasp on fire. And he wants to do what? Punch my other eye out. But he can't see me. So, thank you, Ralphie. No, sit over here. And so, here we have the situation. It's fair, but mercy's better. The law is just, but mercy and grace are better. Why? Because we all need them. Okay, James chapter 2, verse 10, shows us that if we break one law, we break the whole law. For whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles in one point, how many points? Just think for just a moment, how many multitudes, thousands of points there are in God's law. 
If you break just one of them, the Bible says here, for whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles in one point, they've become guilty of the whole law. They've become guilty of all. You know what that means? That means that every, every single one of us, myself included, are as guilty as Adolf Hitler before God. You are no better than Adolf Hitler before God without Jesus. If you tell one tiny little lie, is there anybody in this room that has never told a tiny little lie? You're right. And if you put your hand up, you would just be the first person, the first time in your life to have become that person. That's right, because every single one of us have told little lies, we've told medium lies, and we've told great big fat lies. Every one of us in this room. And because we've all lied, we're now guilty of breaking the whole law. We're as guilty as the worst human being that we can think of. You might think, oh, those child pornographers over there. In the eyes of God without mercy, you are guilty of that. Think about that. You know, Jesus upgraded in Matthew 5. He said, he said, if you lust with your eyes after anybody, you are guilty of adultery. Is there anybody in this room that has never lusted with their eyes? You know, look at, look around everybody. You're looking at a bunch of adulterers. Okay. Jesus said, I also tell you the truth. You've heard it said, you shall not murder. But I say, if you have been angry with your brother or sister, you're guilty of murder. Is there anybody in this room that has never been angry with their brother or sister, spiritually or physically? Anybody at all? Well, that means we're all in the company of murderers. So next time you're getting ready to pick up your keyboard to be the keyboard warrior or maybe pick up your iPhone to be the social media warrior on your iPhone, you might less like to remember that there's a murderer right here using their fingers under the justice of God. And here's the thing right now in the world, everybody, and this has always been the case, everybody demands justice. Everybody wants justice. The problem is they don't want the judge. And the reason we want justice is because we've got laser vision for what's been done to us. But we've got absolute blindness for what we're like when we're sitting to, against other people. We get incredibly thin-skinned about what others have done to us. And then when we're confronted about what we've done to others, we grow some serious thick skin. Are you kidding me? They need to get over that. I didn't mean it like that. What's wrong with them? When in reality... It was only yesterday that we were saying the exact same things about how somebody else had hurt us. For he who said, James 2.11, for he who said do not commit adultery also said do not commit murder. Now if you do not commit adultery but you do commit murder, you've become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment will be merciless to one who's shown no mercy, but mercy triumphs over judgment. Hallelujah. And folks, I want to be really clear here. This mercy that we're talking about, this mercy is the absolute mercy of God. 
towards all who come to him and put their faith in Jesus. That mercy is absolute. It is mercy with a capital M. We're not talking about God saying that you've got to be like that person down the road who's got a gift of mercy. Although that's amazing. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, I think about Justin and Kelly, for example. And I think about the work that the Holy Spirit has used them and that they've been able to establish in the Holy Spirit with our whole embrace teams and our outreach and the community that they, they're just doing such an amazing job, Stuart. They have a gift of mercy. Ever since I've ever met them, for the first time I met them, what, 12 years ago or something, they, or 10 years ago, I forget how long it is, they have walked in a way that lends me to think, wow, these guys are merciful. They've just got a gift of mercy. And I don't want you to think for a moment in this message, blessed are those who are merciful, for they shall obtain mercy, that I'm talking about that kind of mercy gift alone. And think, oh, well, I, I, I'm not like that. I'm not wired like... No, this is the mercy of God to all of us because all of us are lawbreakers. It's not a different kind of mercy. It's the mercy that we all need. And in fact, I happen to know these two well enough to know that the reason they walk in that mercy and carry such a heart of mercy is not just a gift of mercy. It's because they themselves are so mindful and grateful for the mercy that they've received. You see, there's something about obtaining, there's something about um, being merciful that causes you in obtaining mercy to be even more merciful on a constant basis. It's like obtaining mercy makes you more merciful. Being merciful makes you more mercy and so on and so on and so forth. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And I testify again to every man who... Galatians 5.3... And I testify again, Paul says, to every man who receives circumcision that he is obligated under obligation to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ. You who are seeking to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. Where did my chair go? I need a chair. Could you grab that that chair right behind you and bring it over to me, please, as fast as you can? Thank you so very, very much. Awesome. You have fallen from grace. Great. Thank you. Love that. Now, look at this. You have fallen from grace implies that there's a place that's higher. Because you can only fall from a higher place. When we gave our lives to Jesus, something happened to us in the invisible realm. We were lifted up in him. It actually happened 2,000 years ago when the Father raised Jesus from the dead and raised you from the dead with him because you believe in Jesus. That was activated back then. And you were lifted up in him and you were seated with him in heavenly places. Right now, you are already seated with Christ in the heavens in him. You are in this higher place. You've been brought out from under the law where you were condemned for an eternity of hell with Satan. And Jesus came into the world, stepped into the world, rescued you by dying on the cross for all of your sin and the sin of the world, 
put you to death when he was put to death. And then when he was in, in the tomb and you were buried with him, the father raised him from the dead by the Holy Spirit and raised you from the dead with him. And now you're in this place, this wonderful high place in the heavens called the realm of grace. And in this realm of grace, the river of God flows. The blessings of God flow. Everything is absolutely, utterly amazing in this realm of grace. And our job right now is to live from this place of grace here on earth, bringing heaven onto the earth everywhere we go. Why? So that all of earth wants nothing else but heaven. So they want to join us. Because you stand out. Because you're not a person who walks around demanding justice. You're a person who gives mercy. So different. So powerful. So here's what happens. Ralphie, where are you? Ralphie. Okay, so let's go back to this analogy. Come up quickly, Ralphie. We're just right here. Just there. It's perfect. So here we are. We're back at work and I've got born again. Isn't that amazing? And I'm lifted up by Christ Jesus into this place in the heavens. And here I am seated with Christ in heavenly places and life's going way better in my marriage and way better with my children and, you know, even better at work. But the problem is Ralphie's still at work and he keeps just messing up with my grace. And so here's Ralphie again and he provokes me again, says something to upset me. So then I say something to upset him back. Well, then he upsets me again and I'm like, God, did you hear that? Did you see that? And then I realize that the Lord's over there with Kate or something, you know, giving all of his attention to my wife. She's so much more spiritual. I'm like, well, that's not, well, it just doesn't feel like the Lord's really paying attention here. And you know what? I can't even see the Lord. And right now I'm just in touch with all of my needs. And my need right now is I got to sort Ralphie out. I got to make sure that Ralphie stops being unfair, stops insulting me, stops hurting me, and stops messing my life up. So, you know, here's what I'm going to do. Right, Ralphie. Boom. Take that. I've had enough of you. Now, look what happened to me. What happened to me is I just fell from grace while I was demanding that justice and demanding the law. And now... Here in this place, I'm vulnerable, really vulnerable. You know why? Because this is where the enemy lives. And now all of a sudden, even though I'm born again and there's me in the heavens in Christ Jesus, the me that's here on earth that everybody, you know, that's working out that maturity in my oneness with Christ, that me, you can sit down, Ralphie, is vulnerable to the enemy. And the enemy comes along and he says, God, That Duncan Smith that you gave mercy to, that you gave great grace to, he's just fallen from grace as he demanded the law. And seeing as he's demanding the law against Ralphie, I demand the law against him. You see, you cannot have mercy for yourself and demand justice for everybody else. If you want mercy, you must be merciful always, even when you're born again. And now all of a sudden... My life that seemed to be just cruising along in sixth gear. Now, all of a sudden, I get a letter from my mortgage company saying, you haven't paid your mortgage for two months. And by the way, we haven't received your mortgage, so we're going to receive your house off of you. And you get an eviction of notice. And then 
All your kids start getting sick. And then you're on your way home from church and dang it, you're T-boned and you have a nasty car crash. And now you're struggling with back pain and injury. And then your friend who's always been your friend, all of a sudden somebody says something to them and now all of a sudden your best friend is accusing you of all kinds of horrible things and you're sitting there going, what is going on with my life? And then it feels like the worship pastor's never choosing you to do backing vocals anymore. And nobody's showing up to your connect groups. Not like Rita's group and Abby's group that's exploding. My group sucks. (laughs) And then you go to work and your boss who always has loved you turns around and says, you're fired. And you're wondering what in the world is going on in my life. You know what I need? I need some spiritual warfare. That's what I need. And then you find out, oh yeah, that connect group, they have amazing spiritual, I'm going to that connect group. And then you get to that connect group and there's that amazing spiritual warfare warrior and their shaka behind and come along on my Honda because I left my Kawasaki behind. And you know, you're just like, come on, this is awesome. We're going to get somewhere here. But then all among all the noise and everything else, there comes a moment where you're just broken on your knees and Weeping before God and all of a sudden you hear the voice of the Lord and the Holy Spirit whispers into your heart. Duncan, do you remember that time when Ralphie hurt you? And you demanded justice. And instead of walking in forgiveness and mercy, you demanded justice and the law. And because you demanded condemnation against him and condemned him. The enemy has rightfully brought out all of the issues that you have in your life and has condemned you and now has full reign to mess up your life. Steal your finances, steal your health, steal your relationships, steal because he's the thief. He came to steal, kill and destroy. John 10.10. But the Lord says, but I've come to give you life. And life in abundance. But that abundant life is not here under the law. That abundant life is up here in mercy and grace in the kingdom of heaven. And so in that place, as I weep before the Lord, Lord, the truth is, I was really hurt by Ralphie. And here's the thing, everybody, I want to say. We haven't had time to read it, but in Matthew 7, when Jesus is teaching them how to pray, one of the things that he says is, and Father, our Father who art in heaven, he starts with. And then he says towards the end, and forgive me my sin or my debt as I forgive those who have sinned against me or who are indebted to me. And so here's the thing, everybody. He goes on to then say, for if you do not forgive From your heart, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. Forgiveness brings you into the forgiveness of God. But it has to be from the heart. It can't be from the head. Here's the thing. The reason why we always encourage, do not 
Start your prayers of forgiveness with forgiving the person immediately in that moment. I'm talking about in the moment that you're praying. The first thing that you need to do is to tell God fully how badly you've been hurt. Just pour out your libation. Pour out your hurt to the Lord. That's that's legal pouring out of your hurt. Illegal pouring out of your hurt is gossiping to everybody about how you've been hurt. But when you take it to the secret place with God and you pour out your heart, or when you're with somebody who's a prayer ministry team uh, or freedom team or, you know, powerful minister in healing of life's hurts, when you pour it out to them, that's legal in that sense. Why? Because the purpose of pouring it all out is unto forgiveness, not unto gossip. The problem is we understand how important it is not to gossip and so on and so forth that we very easily miss out the first point. And what we do is whenever we realize, oh, I need to forgive. I forgive them. Yeah, I've forgiven them. I can always tell when somebody has an issue with forgiveness when the first thing out of their mouth is, oh, yeah, I've forgiven them. But they're stuck in all that hurt. And the reason they're stuck in all that hurt is that they've done forgiveness with the head in a few seconds. The heart is a much slower learner, everybody. It's a really slow learner. And so because the heart is such a slow learner, we have to go slowly with our prayers of forgiveness. And the first thing that we do is we start off by telling the Lord how much we've been hurt. And that might be telling the Lord how much others have hurt us. It might also be telling the Lord how much we've hurt ourselves. Because you see, unforgiveness that the enemy can use against you under the law applies just as much with your unforgiveness against yourself. He doesn't care. He doesn't care that you forgave your mama last year, but this year all you can think about is your obsession with how upset you are with yourself. He doesn't care. He's going to make your life just as miserable under the law when the person that you're accusing is you. When the person you're condemning is you. And guys, very often, that is where most people's unforgiveness and lack of mercy is centered the most around themselves and how upset they are and how upset we are with ourselves because we're so conscious of how much we let ourselves down. We get mad with ourselves. And we retreat into the cave of self-pity. Have you noticed that? When you get hurt, you go into that cave of self-pity. Whether it's when others have hurt you, or whether it's when you've hurt you, it just feels so comforting to go and withdraw into that cave of self-pity. Or maybe your issue is with God. And what you're upset about is what the Lord has done to you. You say, what What do you mean the Lord's done? I know God hasn't done anything to me. I'm talking about these kinds of thoughts, everybody. Well, God, if you love me, how come you let my mom die of cancer? Well, God, if you love me, how come my baby brother died? God, if you love me, how come my husband has left me? God, if you really love me, how come I lost my, my job? God, if you really love me, how come I didn't get into university, my first choice? God, if you really love me, how come the the church has hurt me so much? Folks, let me just say something. Just let me pause for just a moment. 
The church is going to hurt you. You will not find a single church on planet earth that will not hurt you. It is almost, it is impossible to find a church that's not going to hurt you one way or another. When I hear people say, you know what, I've left the church. Church hurt me. I've left it. When I hear people talking about deconstructionism, they're not talking, they're, to me, they don't sound like an expert in some new, new theology. It just sounds to me like they're confessing to the reality that they've got an issue with other people and they can't forgive. Because last time I checked, the Bible doesn't say I will deconstruct my church. Last time I checked, Jesus said, I will construct my church. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know, the greatest way that the gates of hell will not prevail against you is exactly the same way the gates of hell do not prevail against Jesus. Forgiveness. Mercy and forgiveness. Jesus said in John 14, 30, he said, the enemy comes against me, but he has nothing in me. There's no landing spot in me. There's no place that he can accuse me in. Because I'm in the mercy of my Father. I'm in the perfection of my Father and not my own. I'm not judging anybody. I didn't come to judge the world or condemn the world. I came to forgive the world. And he went to the cross and he paid it in full for us. And the only way the enemy can have any access to you, your finances, your family, your health or anything else is you demanding justice and walking in condemnation towards others. But when you are merciful... You will obtain mercy. Woo! And the enemy cannot do anything with mercy because he's never tasted it in all of his life. But mercy is yours and mine from Jesus. But to walk in it, you got to give it. It's as simple as that, everybody. And so in that moment, when we forgive from our heart, when we tell, when we say, Lord, the truth is, my baby brother died and I don't know why. And it breaks my heart to think about it. And you tell him. Because I do have a brother who's died. And you tell him in brokenness. You say, God, I've, I've missed up my whole life with my brother on earth. And he's missed... His earthly life with me. But God, I'm most of all so sorry that I've held you accountable for that. And I've asked your forgiveness for my sin of wrong reaction. You see, folks, let me tell you, it's not what's been done to you that has messed your life up as much as your wrong reactions to everything that's been done to you. That's what's really messed your life up. And it's time to stop blaming and shaming and condemning. And I'm talking about en masse in our lives. And it's time to allow Jesus and all that he's achieved for us at the cross to remind ourselves and let him bring us back into this realm of grace as we let go. You see, you can't reach out to his hand to lift you back up while you've got your hand on the neck of the person that you are so angry with, even if that person's you. And the thing about the cave of self-pity, everybody, is it turns out you're not alone in there. In fact, it's a very nasty, crowded place. 
It's a place where every single person that hurt you is right there in that cave with you. And when you go over it again in your mind, God, I'm just so mad with them. I can't believe what they did to me. Oh, and you turn to anybody who will give you a listening ear. You know, I just can't believe that so-and-so. I just don't understand it. You know, I just, I mean, they just, it's exhausting for everybody. But the worst thing is it's exhausting for you because that it's like you're picking up a rod and just striking yourself over and over again in the cave of self-pity. The good news is today we're going to be merciful. We're going to be merciful on mass as a whole Catch the Fire family. And I want to encourage you that from now on, for the rest of your life, to remember this message and live in the realm of grace and mercy and not justice and the law. Because that way, you are blessed to be a blessing instead of living under the curse of the law. Now, In a moment, I'm going to invite all of you to come forward and deal with your stuff. Because as I've been speaking, many of you in this room, probably almost all of you in this room, you can relate to. There are people that I still need to forgive. Maybe I've forgiven them in my head, but I want to take some time this morning to forgive them. Give them a gift of forgiveness. And that, by the way, is the whole point. It's a gift. It's a gift. They don't deserve it. That's why it's forgiveness. If they deserved it, we'd have to call it reward. But we don't call it reward. God doesn't call it reward. He calls it forgiveness. And the reason it's forgiveness is we're giving them a gift for giftness. We're giving a gift to those who don't deserve it. See, God never wants you to deny that you've been hurt. Forgiveness is not saying, I'm all right. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. You know how that looks in a marriage, right? I'm so sorry, honey. Fine. Honey, are you okay? Yes, I'm fine. Just leave me alone. You know, I'm that fine. I need to be alone. And this morning, we're going to deal with this stuff. And we're going to get it out of our... We're going to step back up into that realm of grace. But I want to just encourage you, everybody. This is a lifestyle to walk out. And some of the issues are actual patterns of behavior that are going to, that may well get sorted out right now. And certainly you are going to have a tremendous breakthrough this morning. But I want you to begin a lifestyle of looking with the Holy Spirit's help and the church's help. I don't mean necessarily just this church. I mean the church and ministries at large. To enter into a lifestyle of healing of life's hurts. And there are many multiple ministries, even in this church. We've got RTF ministries. And welcome to Chester and Betsy who are here this morning, which is lovely. They're the founders of Restoring the Foundations Ministry. Hey guys, nice to have you with us. And and they know all the worst things about Kate and I. We have been coming to them for 22 years. And we've sat with them, oh, 15, but under the ministry for 23 years, but them personally for 15 years. Yes, thank you, darling, for that correction. And, uh, and, 
And during those 15 years, they've heard the worst of us. But here's the deal, everybody. It's developing a lifestyle of bringing up the issues of our defilement and our defiling ways and getting at all the different areas of which there are multiple areas of legal rights that the enemy has made in our lives. So to take hold of the opportunity. We've got RTF ministers in, in the church. We've got our freedom ministry. We've got our prayer ministry. We've got all kinds of ministries in the church um, that we want you to, to access so that it becomes a lifestyle of walking and remembering to be in that realm of grace. I'd like to invite you all to stand. Judgment brings judgment. Mercy brings mercy. You cannot have mercy for yourself and judgment and justice for everybody else. And this morning, this afternoon now, we're going to deal with all this stuff. And I know, I just would like to invite you, just close your eyes out of honor and respect for each other. And I know that as I've been speaking, whether it's pain that others have done to you, wrong that others have done to you, maybe it's your mom, a lifetime of mom hurting you, a lifetime of dad hurting you. Jesus isn't asking you to, de to deny that they hurt you. He knows they hurt you. That's why he came. He came to pay the price of every way they hurt you and sinned against you. And he did it on the cross. But he also came to pay the price for all the ways you've hurt everybody else, including yourself. And all the ways that you've been mad with God and blamed him wrongly. See, God's never sinned against you. But we're going to deal with our wrong reactions to what he's done to us. Uh, to, to, sorry, excuse me. To what we have thought he had done to us. In all the unexplained things that we've blamed God for. So whether it's others sinning against you. Whether it's your own sin against you. Blaming, condemning yourself. Or whether it's what you feel you want to let go of today that you feel you've resented God for. God, if you love me, why did you let this happen? I want you just to get in touch with it, all of it. Everyone in this room who felt hurt, I want you to raise your hands. And anything that you would like to deal with, any unforgiveness all over the room, thank you, Lord. Our hands are going up all over. I want to invite you just to come out and join me here at the front because we're just going to take a few minutes to do business with God. Come out here to the front. And we're going to go through this as fast as we can because we've got children. If you do have children that need collecting, please don't forget to collect them or maybe send your spouse to collect them or whatever. But if you're here and both of you are here, that's fine. Just kids ministry will be fine to watch over them for just come, come really close, everybody. 
We're going to do business with God. First thing that we're going to do is we're going to tell God how badly we've been hurt. And as we tell God how badly we've been hurt, we're going to be in touch with our hearts. And as we get in touch with our hearts, the tears are going to flow. So just let them flow. Don't don't hold them back. Just let them flow. I want you to say this with me. Heavenly Father, say it out loud. Heavenly Father, I come to you today in the name of Jesus. The truth is, I've been really badly hurt. I've been mistreated. People have been unkind to me. People that were meant to love me have done devastating things to my life and to my heart. And I've been crushed. And things have happened that I never wanted to happen. Shattered dreams. Shattered hopes. And I want you just to tell the Lord in your own words. Just tell him. Just tell him. My mom, I've never felt like my mom really loved me. Never felt like my father loved me. Never felt like I had a place in their heart. Always seemed too busy. Lord, I wasn't able to love my children the way I would have wanted to love them. And I'm so upset with myself. I wished I could have been a better dad. I wished I could have been a better mom. Lord, I've, my wife's left me. My husband's left me. My children have left me. Whatever it is, even the government, just tell the Lord, Lord, I've been really hurt. I've hurt myself. I've been disappointed with myself. I've been mad. God, I've even closed, I've even been mad with you for things that have happened that I've blamed you for. All right, now, say this with me, everybody. The Heavenly Father, in the midst of all of my hurt, I've reacted really badly and really wrongly. I've not been able to forgive. I've blamed. I've condemned. I've demanded justice. I've closed my heart to love. And my life's a mess. And I've given room for the enemy to accuse me before you. I've fallen from grace. Thank you that you've saved me and that I'm in the heavenlies. But here on earth, My life's just a mess. Lord, would you wash me with the precious blood of Jesus and cleanse me from all unrighteousness? Now just let that precious, beautiful, perfect blood wash you from all of your sin of unforgiveness, blame and judgment. And I want you to, right now, picture the person who's hurt you even yourself and the Lord. Maybe all three. Maybe multiple people. And I want you to make a decision to forgive right now. To give them all a gift of your forgiveness. And say this with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, 
I choose to forgive. Now say the name of the person that you're forgiving or multiple people you're forgiving under your breath. Just say them out. And if it's yourself, in fact, we're all going to say, and Duncan, I forgive you. Say that your name. Put your hand on your heart and say, I forgive you. Call out your name and say, I forgive you. You owe me nothing. And I release you, Lord God, from everywhere I've blamed you. You owe me nothing. Say that with me, everybody. All of you, you owe me nothing. I cancel the debt that I've held against you. And I bless you. Just stretch out your hand forwards to your friends, family, whoever, every human that's hurt you and say, I forgive you, I release you, and I bless you. I bless you with my hand right now. I bless you in Jesus' name. Now put your hand on your heart and say your name, Duncan, I forgive you, I release you, and I bless you. I bless myself in Jesus' name. Now lift up your hand to the Lord. Heavenly Father, I release you and I bless you. I thank you that you've never hurt me, but I release you from my unforgiveness and I bless you and open my heart to you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Doesn't that just feel amazing? All right, now I'm just going to, I'm going to pray a priestly blessing over you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for all of my brothers and sisters right now that have forgiven and walked in forgiveness and they've been merciful. Now, Lord, let them obtain mercy. I command mercy to flow to you like a river. I bless you that mercy will follow you. Goodness will follow you. Favor will go before you. I declare your life favored in Jesus' name from this moment forward. I bless you with favor over your health, favor over your relationships, favor over your finances. I bless you to be the head and not the tail. I shut the door to the thief in Jesus' name. I shut the door to the murderer in Jesus' name. I shut the door to the destroyer in Jesus' name. And I declare over your life in the mighty name of Jesus the abundant life that he came to give you in the realm of grace in Jesus' name. I declare you blessed in your family. I declare you blessed at work. I declare you blessed in this city. I declare everything that's yours blessed from this moment forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. There are so many opportunities to grow, connect, and be encouraged. To learn more, visit ctfraleigh.com and follow us on social media. Thank you so much for being part of the family. We are so thankful for you.